Um, so this is the thing. This is one of the things you should know about Kyle. Kyle is not only in the Sovereign Grace Pastors College right now, but he is also finishing his uh, PhD at the same time because you know one college is not enough. Uh, so one must do two colleges at the same time, and not just college a second time, but a PhD. And so uh, I asked Kyle, okay, remind, tell me again, what is the name of your dissertation that you just defended successfully and you're about to get, um, what is it, given your, conferred your doctorate? And uh, he said, well, I'll text it to you because it's easier to text it to you than to tell it to you. And I was okay, you know, I was, can't you just tell me the name of your dissertation? But then, you know, he sent it to me and I found out, no, he can't, he really did need to text it to me. So let me tell you the title of his dissertation. The Command from His Father, A Case for the Imminent Submission of God the Son as a Viable and Biblically Supported Model within Pro-Nicene Trinitarianism. I'm so glad he wasn't here when I preached on the Trinity a couple weeks ago, because he probably would have had a few things to say, I'm sure. Now, by just reading that, you can get a feel that um, Kyle is much smarter than me. Uh, And so... (laughs) It's true, and, uh, and I have no problem saying that. I'm so glad that the Lord has gifted you uh, academically and that you want to turn around and use that gift to serve the body of Christ. Um, that's one of the things that I love about Kyle and Monica. Uh, they have such a heart for the local church, and not just the local church, but they have hearts for sovereign grace churches and want to give their gifts and their lives to the building up of the body of Jesus Christ and to the strengthening of our denomination, and I'm so grateful for that. And so I'm excited to have Kyle come up and preach to you about the joy we have in Jesus and the good news we have to take the nations. So Kyle, why don't you come up and preach God's words to us? Thanks, Jace. So kind of you and gracious. I I won't tell you which parts of what he said are not true, but uh, t- typically everything he says is true. So, um, <laughs> just uh, come to grace. We love you, and uh, just I want to start with a blessing that I love to bless when I get to talk with churches is what the Apostle Paul writes: uh, "Grace and peace to you." From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So grace and peace to you today. And thank you for just this opportunity of getting to be with you, to worship with you, to sing songs of praise and adoration. God is here in our midst. And we should never forget that. The Sunday is the most significant day of the week, the gathering of the saints, worshiping the Lord, declaring his praises. Uh, I also want to say uh, just thank you as a, for a church family that... Uh, Monica grew up in this church. She was saved in this church. The beginning of her discipleship occurred in this church. And so I'm continuing, my family's continuing to reap the benefits of growing up in a healthy body of Christ where people are doing the work of ministry. So thank you. And thank you, Jace. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Bert, Bert for the way that y'all are serving and caring and investing into the church as the pastors. Uh, just church family, I encourage you to continue to follow these men. Uh, You will do well to do so. And uh, I'm so excited uh, also for Merrick, his being ordained here soon. Uh, Just so excited for what God is doing in this church family. So we love you. Now this morning, our sermon is about joy. 
and it's about the nations. So I want to begin by having you imagine with me a man from among the nations. This young man, his name is Amar. He lives in India. Every day, Amar dreads getting out of bed to go to work. He knows that when he gets there, all of his work will be constantly criticized by his boss. And so he passes the wearisome hours thinking about a Bollywood movie that he's seen. He's thinking about the fun times that he had with his friends and and dreaming about the future ones that he hopes he has. When he's not thinking about movies or fun, he's contemplating what he could do if he only had another job. If he made more money. If he could finally move to America. How much better life would be then? Maybe tomorrow is the constant drumbeat of his soul. Amar's problem is that he has no real, substantial, lasting, eternal joy. He just has fruitless dreams. The vanity of Amar's today goes into the hopelessness and the vain imaginations of tomorrow. He's chasing after one mirage after another. Amar's problem is that he does not have true Joy. Not, not a joy founded on an eternal hope. But the good news for Amar, that God is in the process of bringing true joy through His glory and for His glory to all the nations. We're going to see that in Psalm 67 this morning. So if you would, please open up your Bible to Psalm 67. In singing this psalm, Israel, they would have called upon God and asked Him for blessings. They they would ask God to bless them so that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through them. So read with me now our text, Psalm 67. This is the authoritative, inerrant, holy word of God. Let's... Lean in and listen to what the Lord has for us. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God, Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Let's pray that God would illuminate this text to our hearts. Heavenly Father, 
We bless you, we praise you, we thank you that you are glorious. You are the awesome God, the one true God. Thank you that you have not left us without a revelation. That you have given us your word and your scriptures that we might know you, that we might have life. So would you open up this text to us this morning, apply it to our hearts, make it come to life to us, that we might know you and in my experience, the joy of uh, your presence through this text. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So through Psalm 67 today, we will see the, the following main point. God's presence blesses his people so that all nations will praise him. God has planned world history so that he gets praise through the delight that his presence brings. God has committed himself to bring us, his church, joy. How amazing that God includes us in his eternal worldwide purposes. He uses his church's joy in Christ to spread this joy to all nations. God's presence blesses his people so that all nations will praise him. In looking at Psalm 67 this morning, we will see two main responses that the text gives us. Our first response will come from the first and the last two verses. These bookends to the psalm give us, or they, they call us, first, to pray that God will bless his people. Then in the middle of the psalm, between these bookends, in verses 2 through 5, we learn a second response. Pray that all nations will praise the Lord. Let's look at our first response. Pray that God will bless his people. God wants you to pray confidently for his church's blessing. Especially for your own church's joy in Christ. Look at, again with me at Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. We're going to hang out here at this verse for a while. And this prayer, it should embolden us to ask God for these blessings. To see how, we must recognize that Psalm 67 recalls the priestly blessing of Numbers 6. In Numbers 6, God had given Aaron and his sons, the priests in Israel, authority to bless God's people. So read with me now Numbers 6, 22-27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. We can hear the overlap with Psalm 67. God, through his priest's authoritative blessing, would truly 
bless his people. Well, number six has blessings being given by priests. Psalm 67 leads non-priests to bless God's people. John Golden Gay states, Number 6, 24 to 26, is a blessing for the Aaronide priest to utter. When priests are not present outside the Jerusalem temple, Psalm 67 makes it possible for the congregation to bless one another. Israel was God's chosen people, a kingdom of priests, according to Exodus 19. So Psalm 67 encouraged the congregation to bless one another, to ask for blessings in a priestly manner. As with priests, so with shepherds or carpenters, seamstresses or or housewives. When they prayed Psalm 67, they knew they could be assured that God would answer. He would extend grace and blessings and his shining face. And we can have this same confidence. 1 Peter 2.9, what does it tell us? We are a royal priesthood. We have been appointed by God to ask for these blessings for His people. So you may wonder, is this like magic? No. It's better than magic. When my six-month-old, or I guess seven-month-old now, when she cries for milk, she's not using magic. But if she cries out, she has a mom ready to meet her desire. Now, there might be times when she asks for milk when what she really needs is a diaper change. And as her parents... We have the authority and the wisdom to give her what will be a true blessing to her in our discernment. And that's how it is with God when we pray for these blessings. We can have confidence that if we ask our Father, like little children, for grace, for blessings, and for His shining face, He will give lavishly, even if and when this looks different from what we imagine. We know that one day we will see that what He gives is even better than we could hope for, dream about, or imagine. The end of Psalm 67 also gives us confidence as we pray these prayers. It teaches us to look at God's blessings, His past blessings that He's already given to us. Read verses 6 and the first part of 7 with me again. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Every blessing, big or small, spiritual or material. We know it comes to us from God alone. So even lesser material provisions, like a harvest, or like a paycheck, demonstrates that God blesses His people. He has 
blessed us. So today, while it seems far off from heaven on earth, your church has godly elders, has godly deacons, has godly people who are servant-hearted, serving one another, building each other up in the Lord. God is faithful. God is being gracious. He is blessing, and He is shining His face among us. So we can look around this room, and we can declare, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. But let's think a little bit more about what Old Testament saints what they would have been asking for, what would they have been requesting when they asked for God's grace, blessings, and a shining face. So God's grace is His favor, His kindness, lavished upon people with no merit of their own. They don't deserve it one bit. But as, So as the Old Testament people of God, as they cried out for grace, they would have thought of Abraham, an idolater, from a family of idolaters, who God in His grace called to Himself. And the faithful saints would have prayed for the same grace. And so can we. Through Christ our Lord, God is gracious toward us. We don't deserve any blessings. None. What we deserve is God's curse. His wrath, Psalm 34 says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, that puts us in a pretty big problem, doesn't it? Because we do evil. I do, I do evil. We struggle against evil. But when Christ came, instead of cursing us, against, instead of setting His face against us, he set his face to go to Jerusalem to become a curse for us. He was treated as we deserve so that we can be treated as he deserves. Christ, he subjected himself to the law. He became a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, so that by his grace we can be freed from the law, a people filled with peace and acquainted with His joy. So what, what about the prayer of God, bless us? In God's promise to bless Israel, He was committing Himself to use His power for their delight. If I want to bless my wife, when I married my wife, I committed myself to live in a way that blesses her. I need to find ways to use my power, my abilities, to bring her enjoyment, her delight. So I can spontaneously hold her hand. I can give her a neck rub. I know that spot that bothers her that you know she needs regularly rubbed. We're starting small here. I could tell her how much I love her and how much I appreciate her continuously. I, I, I can never criticize her or, or belittle her, especially in front of other people, but find ways to encourage her and, and build her up in the Lord. I could 
pick up the living room without her asking me to or ask her to share about her difficulties. I heard some amens there, I think. In the Old Covenant, God promised he would use his power to bless his people if they kept his covenant. He would bring them delight through land and animals, crops, family, life, healing, forgiveness, and, and national freedom. While we can and we should pray for the Lord to bless our church with material blessings, like give us this day our daily bread, right? A material blessing, that we, a real blessing that we should pray for daily. Even more, this should point us to pray for joy in Christ. God has planned for all of His people to receive in Christ, Christ who is the bread of life, right? the true bread. He's, he's planned for them to receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing in the heavenly places. So, though Israel broke their covenant, and they lost access to all the blessings that God promised them in their covenant, we who are trusting in Christ can never lose every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Without Christ, Psalm 67, this prayer This is a fading fantasy, just a pipe dream. But with Christ, it becomes the absolute certainty of the end of this psalm. God will give us with Christ all things. Our God shall bless us. So what about God's shining face? What does that mean? God's gracious blessings in Israel depended on one thing. God's good pleasure shining out from His saving presence in the tabernacle or in the temple. For us now, we have seen that Christ is the glory of the invisible God. He is the very image of God. His very radiance. Our only salvation comes from Christ. Shining forth through the gospel. With boldness, you should pray for your church's overwhelming joy from Christ's indwelling presence. So here's my question Is Christ's presence indwelling you by his Holy Spirit? Is he bringing you joy and delight by his gospel? Today, are, are you receiving that? Right? I'm not talking about cloud nine. But in your greatest pleasures in the day, do you remind yourself that what you have in Christ is even greater? Or in your sufferings? Are you allowing yourself Are you allowing your soul to be comforted in the balm of Christ? Again, not not happy-go-lucky, but in those griefs, those deepest of griefs, while you grieve, are you by God's Spirit 
persevering and supernatural hope in the person and the presence of Christ. If you sense a weak delight in Christ's presence, just a, a weak joy, then I encourage you this morning to call out and to ask. Ask that your delight might grow, might strengthen in accord with God's great love for you in Christ. Since God's presence gives His people joy, we must pray that God will bless His people through Christ. So in our second point, we're going to see that our motive in seeking our church's blessings it should extend beyond the walls of our church. God does not just bless us for our sake or even just for our local church's sake. He has a universal vision in mind. So let's look at our second main response. Pray that all nations will praise God. God blesses His church to extend His praise to all the nations. In verse 2, we see one of God's purposes in blessing Israel. Let's read verse 2 together. That your way, O God, may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God blesses us because He loves us, but also to make His power known worldwide. In Genesis 12, God promised Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you. Derek Kidner states that if a psalm were ever written about the promises to Abraham, that he would both be blessed and made a blessing, it could well have been such as Psalm 67. See, Psalm 67 led the people of Israel to appropriate the Abrahamic promises for themselves, to, to, to take claim on these promises. As Israel asked God to receive God's blessings, the nations would then witness God's saving power as He saved Israel and as He brought about these blessings. So think of the book of Joshua. Rahab, she's converted to faith after what? Hearing about God's saving works in the Exodus that had happened 40 years prior. But sadly, in the Old Testament, this is kind of like a rare example. You won't see that happening all that often. The Mosaic law had no power to change dead hearts. But Christ's gospel, which we have, it does have the power to make disciples of all nations. This mission of Christ, seen in His great commission of go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, that's where we come in. Jesus, the true offspring of Abraham, He merited every blessing in the heavenly places. Jesus earned these blessings by coming at His Father's will and seeking and saving the lost through His crucifixion, His resurrection, His ascension to the Father's right hand. Now, 
Christ, from his heavenly reign, has begun bringing about his kingdom on earth. His fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise. He has begun blessing all nations by the word of his gospel through the gift of his Holy Spirit. Church, this is the mission that Christ has brought us into. We are experiencing in our midst the reign of the sovereign Lord bringing about his universal purpose. He is bringing about our delight even this morning through his blessings for his glory in all the earth. With the psalmist, we must pray that God's way may be known on earth, his saving power among all nations. So Psalm 67 calls us to have a life of outward trajectory. Our blessings that we receive from the Lord are given to us to share. So does your life have an outward trajectory? Or do you mostly think each day about getting, how to get what you need to get and what you want to get? Are you like a black hole that's only sucking in and never emitting anything? If you're not living for the blessings of others, you're living at the expense of others. If God blesses you so that you'll be a blessing to others, but you just hoard, who are you depriving? Those who God wanted you to bless when he blessed you. We can call it a drive to win. We can, we can call it a, a drive to just get my healthy family first. To, to pursue my income, my career. But I think we should call it what scripture calls it. Greed. Self-interest. Worldliness. See, we must not detach verse one, the prayer for blessings, from verses two through five. God blesses us to bless others to the ends of the earth. But it starts with those immediately around us. Husbands and fathers. Right? What does your outward trajectory look like? Or wives and mothers. Are God's blessings being channeled through you to others? We can all think of our jobs or our parenting. We can think about our schooling. Are these simply for us or also for gospel purposes? Are we, are we thinking about how can we use this to build Christ's church? How about even our meditation on God's word as we're going to scripture every day, meditating on it? Are we just doing it for what we can grow out of it? Or are we thinking, how can I be a blessing to my wife? Or how am I going to be a blessing to my husband through what I've learned in my devotions today? And how far is our outward trajectory taking us? Just as we don't want to be totally absorbed with me, myself, and I, so we don't want to be just focused on my family or my church or my circle of friends, that we end up missing out on God's worldwide mission. The church's global mission from God is one reason that I love 
being a part of our family of churches, a global family of churches, sovereign grace churches. See, neither you nor I can save the nations, can, can take the gospel to all the nations, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to. God doesn't want you so focused on spreading out blessings to the whole world that you really end up just blessing no one. He also doesn't want you just walking around mopey and guilty. I'm not saving the whole world. Right? I, I, if I, I could only give more, if I could pray more. Right? Christ the Lord is the one himself making sure he reaches the nations through his churches. But we must still ask ourselves, do I share Christ's trajectory to the world? His vision for the world. If so, how is my life giving expression to it? Psalm 67 warns us against every kind of internal self-absorption. So one easy way we can foster this global trajectory is by praying for and supporting Sovereign Grace as a family of churches. As we build our family of churches, we take part in Christ's mission to the world. See, the nations will praise God when they see Christ's glory as it's manifested through his churches. As we pray with Psalm 67, verse 4, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, O Lord. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. So John Piper, he states well that our passion for the nations should be a passion for their participation in joy-filled worship. He says, God is pursuing with omnipotent passion a worldwide purpose of gathering joyful worshipers for himself. Joyful worshipers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. God has an inexhaustible enthusiasm for the supremacy of his name among the nations. Therefore, let us bring our affections into line with his. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. We could pray, Lord, let the nations praise you. Let the nations be glad. See, God does not want empty worship and empty gladness. He wants enthusiasm for the supremacy of his name, for his glory and his greatness. The end of verse 4 shows us that God's pursuing worship grounded in a knowledge of how he judges the peoples with equity and guides the nations upon the earth. Piper again draws out how God's glory deserves the nation's worship. He says, Worship is the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people's and the greatness of God. This idea of worship 
that focuses on a high view of God's greatness, His glory, His absolute sovereignty over the earth. This captures the kind of doctrinally rich worship that we have in sovereign grace churches. So Mark Prater, our executive director, he recently shared how our doctrinally rich songs are closely tied to our expansion, our global expansion as a family of churches. He quotes Devin Coughlin's statement about our church's uh, our church planning strategy as a denomination. He says, Sovereign Grace Music writes songs in order to plant churches. As a result, we have planted 12 new churches in the last two years, nine of which are outside of the United States. In countries like Liberia, Guinea, and the Philippines. By God's grace, we plan to adopt 60 more churches in 10 different nations over the next three years. We we are looking forward to soon when we have more churches outside of the United States than we do inside the United States. Praise the Lord. Lord, let that come, we pray. So maybe you can't write music or perform it, much less. I know I can't. But you and I can pray for these efforts of our family of churches to bring about God's worldwide praise. We can cry out every day, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. We must pray that all nations will praise God. But maybe there are some here today who are not followers of Jesus Christ. You have not given your life to to Jesus. It sounds strange to talk about asking Jesus, the the Lord of heaven, into your heart to live and, and to lead you by his Holy Spirit. Maybe that sounds strange to you. Well, you need to know if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you have never experienced true, eternal, lasting joy. We are born with deceitful hearts, hearts that are full of sin. Our hearts tell us, if I could just get more toys, then I'd be happy. If if I just had a different family, if I could just move out of my house, if I could just have a different home, then I'll be happy. But then we get those toys that we want, and it becomes, if I only had these other toys, then I would be happy. We, we We meet the spouse that we always wanted, and we think... Oh, if I only had a different spouse. Our hearts are deceitful. They trick us. That's because they're sin them. But see, God is perfect. He's holy. He's true. There's no deceit or lying in Him. And He hates sin. And He hates that our hearts deceive us. That shows us that our hearts are separated from God. That our hearts, we are born dead in our sin being deceived, and God hates that. So we are separated from God by our sin, by our sin. But there's good news. God loves the world. And He did not leave us without joy. He does not leave us without an opportunity to enter into His joy. He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on the cross that you can give him your sinful heart, your deceitful heart, and he'll give you a new heart. A new heart of joy that comes from him. 
So I call on you today, if you have never given your heart to Jesus, to turn from your sin and to receive a new heart, to receive forgiveness of all your sins because Jesus died on the cross to forgive anyone who comes to him, anyone who turns from their sins and turns to him to receive life. Or maybe there are some here today who feel like you're a believer, you're a Christian, but you just think, I don't have enough joy in order to be a light, in order to share the gospel, to go to to the laundry. If if you went to the laundry, shoot, you just don't feel like you have enough delight in Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, if you have a mustard seed of delight that comes from God's having forgiven your sins by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, then you have all the delight you need to proclaim the glories of salvation in our great Savior. Maybe you are a Christian who, whose life is characterized by constant suffering. You're just consumed with suffering. You, kinda, you feel like you're at the bottom of a well and, and I'm someone at the top saying, shine your light. And you're like, I'm at the bottom of a well. That's you. You're suffering. Know that even the smallest sliver, the smallest ray of light can pierce the darkest night, shine the light of Christ. Right? It was Jesus suffering on the cross, his death on the cross. It was his hope. It was his joy. It was his, he wasn't bitter or grumbling on the cross. And that shines his light the brightest. Let us all pray for opportunities to spread the joy of Christ. Earlier, we pondered Amar, a man from among the nations, a man in India who lacks true joy. Imagine with me once more, there's a day when Amar, like it's a normal day, he gets out of bed, he drags himself to work. But on this day, one of his co-workers, someone who, who always seems so strange to him, he's never grumbling, never complaining, he's just doing his work. This co-worker invites him to a gathering with some friends. Amar really doesn't know why, but he goes. Once there, he meets other strange, seemingly joy-filled individuals who who eat together. They seem delighted as they, they share about devotion to someone named Christ. They pray for one another. They sing these weird songs of of worship. But they seem like they have a joy that he's never experienced. As he hears them singing about having having been lost in darkest night. He hears them singing about their, their sins having promised them life, but leading them to the grave. He feels like they're seeing into his never satisfied heart. And as they sing about being led to the cross, seeing God's love displayed in Christ, about his suffering in their place, for the first time in Amar's life, with tears streaming down his face, 
he feels true joy, true gladness. And for the first time, God receives Amar's praise. Brothers and sisters, do you see the power in our lives? The power of changed hearts and joy-filled worship? God brings us joy because He loves us. But He also has another purpose. To use our joy to save people in all nations. People just like Amar. He loves them too. And He loves to display His glory through their delight in Him. God blesses us through Christ so that one day all peoples will know that our God, the one true God, is the God of all joy. A joy that is true, substantial, eternal, and God-glorifying. A joy found only in Christ. A joy that is for us and for all the nations through the gospel. Let's pray. Glorious God, we love you, we praise you, we bless your holy name. Thank you that you are the blessed God forever. One thing you ask of us, to sit at your feet, to trust in you, to keep our eyes on you, to take and eat, to refresh ourselves by sins forgiven, conscience cleansed. So we come before Jesus and we receive, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness. Thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for our sins. Use this church. Bless it, Lord. Bless this church and use those blessings to extend your glory and your praise to all the nations we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.